Welcome here, everybody. My name is Michelle Epp. I'm our family ministries pastor. And you guys, I'm 37 weeks pregnant today. Yeah, I'm going to have this baby on March 9th, and I'm nervous and excited. And um, yeah, it's, it's sad because my last day here at uh, working at the church is February 28th. And yeah, wrapping things up. And I have loved being our family ministries pastor. I, I love all the kids that are here in this room. I want to say hi, and I'm so glad that you're here. How's the juice? You guys are enjoying your juice and your coloring, and, and I hope that you hear a little bit of what I have to say today, if not all of it. Um, I want you to listen. I'm so glad you're here worshiping with us, reading God's Word. Um, I'm actually reading from the Adventure Bible. Does, does any kid here have an Adventure Bible? No? I encourage you, kids, if you don't have a Bible, come and talk to me after the service. Um, I remember many years sitting in church on Sunday mornings, not always listening to the pastor, but reading, reading some pretty cool stories in here and growing my love for God's word. And um, it's my heart that you would hear what, what we're what we're talking about today and that you would know your Bible and love it and um, be eager to hear from God and listen to him and respond to him. Um, yeah, just one other little plug. One of the last things that I'm gonna be involved in um, here as the family ministries pastor before I head out um, will be an event called Supporting Foster Care as the Church. And we have a number of families in our church that have fostered children um, through the ministry in BC. And one of those families, she's gonna share her story, why she does it, how she does it, and where she could use more support. And we just recognize that there are a lot of kids in our, in our city that don't choose to enter into foster care, but um, it's our heart just to talk about what's our role as the church? How can we step in and, and be a part of the conversation, not turn a blind eye, and support even foster families and be a, be a place where um, Families are supported in, in, in the call that, they've, that they have um, been called to. So if that interests you or sparks anything, that's this Friday, um, February 24th at 7 p.m. in the chapel. And I'll be there with food. Woohoo! Okay. All right. So we are reading from the Gospel of Luke in Luke chapter 12. And we're jumping back in. So if you do have your Bibles with you today, um, please open them up to Luke 12, and we're reading from verse 49. Jesus says, I have come to bring fire on earth, and how I wish it were already kindled. But I have a baptism to undergo, and how distressed I am until it's completed. Do you think I came to bring peace on earth? No, I tell you, but division. From now on, there will be five in one family divided against each other, three against two, and two against three. They will be divided. Father against son, son against father, mother against daughter, daughter against mother, mother-in-law against daughter-in-law, and daughter-in-law against mother-in-law. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Right? Yeah, that is... It's actually a pretty crazy passage. And every time I told people that I was preaching on Family Sunday, on this passage, eyes were rolling. 
and nervous laughter because it's hard to read this. Even one conversation I had with a friend, he said, I kind of wish this would be taken out of the Bible. But we don't do that. We, we can't take pieces out of scripture and wish that they weren't there. We can't skip past it and ignore it. We're gonna dive into this today. I mean, reading this text makes me uncomfortable. Does it make you a little bit freaked out, kids? Does it make you kind of run, want to run? <laughs> the fact that you would be, um, Jesus is saying that father and son would be divided, mother and daughter, what does this mean? What does this mean for us today? You know, today in this passage, I believe that we can look into it and um, maybe we might come feeling a little defensive, a little bit scared about what this passage is saying, but we're actually being faced with the fullness of Christ's good news to us. And to some, this might be a threat, and to some, this might be really hard to hear, and I want to encourage us that it is good news. It is good news that Jesus still has to say to us here. But indeed, he does say, I'm bringing fire and division. That's what Jesus says. And division in our families, that's like the most sacred thing in our culture, you know, to keep our family close together, to have peace in our homes. And we don't want to be burnt. You know, we don't want to be left alone. We don't want to be ostracized from our family. But I know, and I've, I've come to this passage, and I want to share with you that um, we can see through this that Jesus wants to offer us the fullest safety and the fullest satisfaction in him and our identity being found in him, freedom in him, because Jesus is the one that is walking through the fire for us so that we could all be a part of his forever family. So let's dive in. Let me pray really quickly as we continue on. God, thank you for who you are. You are an author and the creator of all things, of us. Thank you that you have given us your word, that we can open it up and listen and hear from you. And for all of us here, Lord, Holy Spirit, open up our ears and our hearts to hear from you and to respond to you, God. We ask these things in your name, Lord Jesus, amen. Well, family, it was honored back in Jewish, Jewish culture. And Luke, um, the author of this gospel, um, he has so many accounts of families and dynamics, so if you wanna take some time, kids, look through the book of Luke and, and try and find all those instances of, of where Jesus is with his brothers and sisters and his mother, there's so much in there. You know, he writes that Jesus, he grew up in a family. He was obedient. It talks about how he grew up in wisdom and he was with his parents. Jesus also had a really big family, a community of people. They would go every year and travel to the Passover and it would take a few days and they would go with a big group of people. And it, 
shows how big and trusting his community was because Jesus was missing for an entire day before his parents even noticed that he was gone. So that must have been a pretty good community. Imagine, kids, if your parents didn't even notice you were gone, because they were like, oh, they're with Aunt Sue, you know? They're fine. But uh, so it shows you that Jesus was a part of a strong community as well. However, it's clear that at Jesus' birth, before his birth and moving into his ministry, that yes, Jesus was born into a family, but he was always born to be God's son. He was always born and, and he came to be God's son and he had important work to do. And you and I, you know, we were created in the image of God and we were created to be in his family too. We were created male and female, to increase and fill the earth, to have families, but we were created to walk with God and to be in his family. And so something went wrong, and we can read about what went wrong in the fall um, in Genesis 3. It explains that um, what happened, Genesis 3.22, God is talking about us, humanity. The man has become like us, knowing good and evil, He must not be allowed to reach out and take also from the tree of life and eat and live forever. You see, we, in the fall, we came to know about everything that was good and everything that was evil. And with all that power, God was like, you can't live forever with all that power. Death is your new reality. And with that too, we also realized that we had a choice We could choose to walk in the Father's way or walk in our own way, choosing the things that might satisfy us more, choosing things that shape our identity in the way we want it to, choosing and having our own freedoms, thinking that it's going to be better. But with that choice, we have the opportunity to walk farther and farther away from God and what he had wanted for us. You know, there was once a time that I was led farther and farther away from where I wanted to be, and I found myself stuck. I was a runner. I want to say I am a runner, but I'm definitely not currently. Would love to be one day again, but um, maybe after a few months. Uh, But I had a friend that visited me in Calgary, and I took her to this park called Fish Creek Park, and I knew the park pretty well. It's about like a hundred kilometers of trail in the, in the city of Calgary, and we had lots of wiener roasts and birthday parties down there. And so I thought I'd take my friend for a nice jog through the woods. There's um, 60 kilometers of this park are paved, but 40 kilometers are not. And I thought we would do a little exploration. So we were running, and um, at 30 minutes, we decided we should probably turn back. But we just, um, we, we ran down, 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 down. And then all of a sudden, I couldn't see the path anymore. And the trees were all around. And my shoes were so muddy. I had bug bites and I, I couldn't see the way out. And we were stuck. It was pretty frightening, a frightening place to be. We had no idea how to get out. And I really just wish that someone could have come and just made a path 
or cleared out all the trees so that, that we could find a way out easily enough. Well, jumping back to our passage, um, Jesus, he says in verse 49, I have come to bring fire on earth and how I wish it were already kindled. So this fire that Jesus is talking about is that he is dealing with our sin. That's the fire. He wants to deal with our sin through fire. Now fire is something that burns everything away except for things that can withstand the fire that oftentimes are like hard metals and gold and you know we you probably have heard about gold being refined in the fire. So if you were to put something in your fireplace or your fire pit outside with a permit, um, fire would be a sorter. It would purify and reveal what, whatever's beneath once it's burned everything up. Well, Jesus, he came to this world to bring fire. I've come to bring fire on earth. He came to reveal the things that God's people, us, we were never forced to face before he came. And John the Baptist, um, he came before Jesus and he spoke about what Jesus was gonna do. And he uses the idea of fire in Luke 3, verse 17. I, John the Baptist, baptize you with water, but the one more powerful than I will come, the thongs of whose sandals I'm not worthy to untie, he, this is Jesus, he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand to clear his threshing floor, to gather up the wheat in his barn, but he will burn up the chaff with an unquenchable fire. So what does this verse mean? Well, I have a picture of what it looked like. Um, See, like back in the day, this is what they're referencing. Farmers, they grew wheat to make grain for bread. They would use these tools to gather up all the wheat sheaves and they had to separate the grain kernels from the chaff, which is the skin of the grain. You know, I eat oatmeal all the time. Do you guys ever eat oatmeal? It's a hearty breakfast. And then um, sometimes there's the skin in my oats. And it's not good. You know, you want to spit that out. <laughs> it's, hard to, it's hard to chew and taste, and it's, that's not what the oatmeal is for. We, we want the kernel. We want the grain. And, and so harvesters, um, they burn up the chaff. It's not needed. And that is also what the Father, our, our God, wants to do with us. He wants to separate our sin from us, like chaff, so that we just have the good stuff the grain, the things that we can use. And our problem is that we do live in a world of grain and chaff. We live in a world of good and evil. We live in a world where paths are unclear. Trails are washed out. Trees block our sight. And we need God to clear the way. We need Jesus to bring the fire and to reveal what's beneath. But there's a problem because even when I say that we need Jesus to bring the fire, that doesn't sit right with a lot of people. 
embracing the need for fire, this idea of purifying and revealing what's beneath, what's wrong in our hearts and our thoughts, that's the problem for many. Because I think oftentimes we think that we're okay. We feel like we're, we're doing all right. And that's why this text is so uncomfortable because people can't agree that we actually have um, sin in our life. And it's hard to face, it's hard to accept. So what's the solution to this problem? The problem's problem. Well, Jesus, he says, I've come to bring fire on earth and how I wish it were already kindled, but I have a baptism to undergo and how distressed I am until it's completed. So Jesus, he was, he was baptized by water. In Luke 3, we can read about his baptism and how God, um, he said, this is my son whom I'm well pleased. But Jesus references the baptism again. So he has a second baptism that he is going to undergo. Commenter David Garland, he says that the image of baptism is an immersion. And it comes from the Old Testament as a metaphor for being overwhelmed by like a catastrophic event. So just as a fire's flame might come in a field and engulf everything that's dry around it, Jesus also is undergoing a baptism, an immersion. He will be immersed by this task that he has to complete. It says, how distressed I am until it is completed. So what is it? It is his death. And um, the Greek translation for the word distressed here is suneko, suneko. And it actually isn't distressed, it means pressed. It means to hold it together. And what this verse is getting at, it's not just saying that Jesus is like sad or you know, feeling stressed about it, but that he has a task to do and he has to complete it. That is his job, that is why he has come. He's totally governed by this task to die, and that's why he came as God's son. And is this something that Jesus wanted? You know, we can read further when, when you read into Luke and you see that he has, is, is coming to the cross and recognizes that this is it's coming now, it's happening. He says, Lord, take this cup from me. And maybe we could even imagine his family when Jesus is on the cross looking at him and saying, does it really have to be this way? You know, I want us to see in this passage, we might come at it defensively, like where's the peace for me? But let's look. Is Jesus telling us that we will experience fire? Are we the ones pressed to complete this task? No. He is the one he is the one that's bringing it. He is the one that will complete the task. He is the one that will walk through the fire for us to reveal what is already in our world, to reveal what's in us. He will walk through the fire himself so that we can be a part of his forever family. I don't know about you, but that was kind of a game changer for me when I read that, just realizing that Jesus is the one that is taking this on for us. Let me read something that was prophesied over Jesus when he was 
dedicated as a baby. So just like our families came and dedicated their kids to the Lord, Jesus was when he was little. And this is what the prophet Simeon said to his mother. This child, in, in Luke 2:34, this child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed. So we see again, Jesus, he had a job to do. He was destined to call the, cause the rising and falling of many in Israel so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed. He came so that the thoughts of our hearts would be revealed. How does that happen? How are the thoughts of our hearts revealed? How does Jesus do that? You know, I'm in an apprentice group here at North Langley, and one of the questions we try and ask each other, if we're brave enough, and we really should be, um, is this. How is my thought life? Where are my thoughts? Because where my thoughts go, my behavior goes, and my emotions go. So what if all of your thoughts from this last week were revealed to Jesus? Not to me, but to Jesus. Could you imagine your heart being like that wheat sheaf where the skin comes off from it and you also see the grain that's inside? For sure, there can be the things that are good and beautiful and true, and maybe there are things that are a little bit evil, a little bit ugly, a little bit untrue. Could you let Jesus see that? There's nothing more than the enemy would love than for us just to not enter that question, <laughs> for us to not think about it. And I think these are the places we can get stuck. If we choose to not allow Jesus to reveal these things in our hearts, we can get stuck. We can get caught down a wrong path, down, down, down in the swamp where we just don't know the way out. And we get that way because sometimes we, we don't really think that we're as bad. Our thoughts are, where they, like, are as bad as they are. Sometimes we don't think that we're stuck. But Jesus has come to bring fire. And when people are faced with this, when they're faced that, that Jesus wants to reveal the things in our life and he wants to reveal the thoughts of our hearts, that's pretty scary. And it could bring war. And Jesus, he continues on here. He says, do you think I came to bring peace on earth? No, I tell you, but division. From now, there will be five in one family divided against each other. Father and son, mother and daughter, mother-in-law and daughter-in-law. They will be divided. And this is a real challenge because, you know, we, we are being asked to choose to allow Jesus to, to reveal our hearts to him, to be purified, to be cleansed, have him walk that through the fire and burn it. And it will change us. And Jesus is saying it should change you so much that people will notice. And I want to acknowledge that in this passage, I think there's a lot of ways as, as Christians that 
we could probably come to the dinner table with our family members and call a truce, you know, say, you know, you believe what you believe, I believe what I believe, we're all good. But Jesus is pretty clear that for some, it will divide our families. And that's a hard word for some of us here, especially coming from different cultures where we really ought to walk in our parents' ways. But Jesus is saying that our priorities are needing to be reordered. David Garland, he writes, Jesus doesn't intend to drive a wedge into family loyalties, but a rupture may result from the choices that individuals make for or against God, and priorities need to be reordered. This is a very strong passage, and so it should make all of us think, have I totally chosen to follow Jesus? Do I really want Jesus over all things? Do I want him over my satisfaction, over my, my own identity, my freedoms, my family even? And it's not that Jesus is asking us to forsake all those things necessarily, but he is saying, forsake them for me. That my, my way is first, my way is higher. So what does that look like to you? Is that a threat? Or is it good news? You know, to some, the cross will look like foolishness. To others, it's the power of God. It comes from 1 Corinthians 1, 18. And the cross disturbs everything. It's hard to explain. It's hard to sit down with someone and actually um, explain the realities of it. There was a few weeks ago that I was sitting eating breakfast with my son Willis, and he's in this stage of questioning, asking like, what's this, what's that, what's this? You know, he's asking like, what's that? Well, that's our skylight, what's this? That's our bowl for eating breakfast. What's, what's this, mom? And he was pointing at my cross that I was wearing. So how do you explain the cross to a two and a half year old? Because immediately I, I thought about the depth of the cross, and I realized I have, to, I have to reckon with this too myself every day. Um, but, but I was starting to just think through, before I answered him, everything that the reality of the cross was. The cross is where Jesus went down, 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 with all of the evil and the ugly and the untrue, to bring fire to it and to burn it all the way. Hebrews 2 explains it well that um, in verse 9, he suffered death so that by the grace of God he might taste death for everyone. In bringing many sons and daughters to glory, it was fitting that God for whom and through whom everything exists should make the pioneer of their salvation, that's Jesus. He made Jesus perfect through what he suffered. That's what Jesus' death and, and the cross did, that he would go and, and, and suffer and endure the pain, take on our sin, and walk it through, burn it all away so that he would be made perfect. And then in verse 11, Hebrews explains both the one who makes people holy, God, and Jesus, and, and those who are made holy are of the same family. So Jesus is not ashamed to call them brothers and sisters. 
those that accept and receive this hard news that the cross, it embraces us going down with Jesus, allowing for him to see and reveal the things of our hearts and for him to take it through the fire and burn it and that he would be made perfect and we could rise up with him, part of his forever family. That, to me, is just, to me, it's power. It's the power of God. It's not foolish. And to me, I, I told Willis that the cross means that Jesus loves me. Yeah. How does the cross look to those who have nowhere else to turn? How does the cross look to the child without a parent or a home? To the poor, to the lonely. The kingdom belongs to these people. The gospel of Jesus and the cross is everything to those that are willing to lay everything else down in order to receive Jesus. And how does it look to kids? Luke 18, it writes, um, or Luke 8, Jesus is, people are bringing to Jesus and the disciples are saying, no, 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 he's too busy. But Jesus calls the children to him and says, let the little children come to me and don't hinder them for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. So kids, the kingdom of God belongs to you. Truly, I tell you, anyone who doesn't receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. I want to encourage you kids that there's something about you that us adults need to figure out. We need to be more like you. We need to be dependent. We need to trust that God is gentle with us, that he leads the way, that he can see all of our flaws and all of the beautiful, and he will walk with us, lead us, guide us. So will we say yes to him? Will we say yes to the cross? And so for us that do say yes to Jesus, we're a part of his greater family. We recognize that Jesus, he walks through the fire so that we can be a part of his forever family. And we have a stronger and truer family by being united as brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ. Just as we, we encouraged us as a church to be the family of God and support the children that were dedicated today, where are the other areas where you can step up and say, I'm a part of the family of God, I'm looking. I'm looking for those that are lonely and powerless that need to be welcomed in. You know, maybe this conversation of supporting foster care as the church sparks something in you. Maybe you wanna bring a meal, clean a home of a foster family. What is God calling you to? How is he calling you to extend this arm of his forever family to those that are hungry to hear the good news of Jesus? 
So let me just end by encouraging us. Hebrews 2:11. Both the one who makes people holy and those who are made holy are of the same family. So we thank you, Jesus. We thank you that you are the one that went through fire, the fire that had to be. Thank you for walking through it for us, refining us so that we might have a place in your forever family. So today, if you are thinking, I want to be a part of this forever family, but you're stuck, you're down in the bog, can't see where the path out is, I want to encourage you that you can open yourself up to Jesus. He wants to reveal the things in our thoughts and our hearts. But his fire is cleansing, and he is gentle. He is loving. He welcomes you like a child to him. He's saying, don't let anything hinder you. Come to me. If you're dependent, if you need me, you can trust me. Come to me. And I I encourage for you to come to our prayer team at the front and just come. Come and let your heart be open because our loving God is strong, powerful, cleansing, and, and gentle.